used to think that my life was a tragedy. But now I realize it's a comedy. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Drive-In. I'm your host, Aaron Lopez, and I'm alive! It's been a damn month or so since I've been putting out, putting, able to put out an episode. Uh, unfortunately, the drunk drive-in that we recorded had some audio issues, so that one just gets filed under a good night, uh, but no, no documentation of that. So apologies to Aaron and Steven and Steven. Uh, but thank you guys for a, a really fun evening on a drunk drive-in. We watched Godzilla, we had a good time. But only we will have uh, any notice of what happened that night. But uh, what's in the past is in the past. Uh, we're looking forward to the future. And that future uh, is Riser. Alex Riser is back on the drive-in for the second time. Hey! We've got him back. We have, uh, we have him from Chicago. So a nice little remote recording tonight. Um, but how you been, man? Oh, dude, uh, I've gotten engaged since the last episode. I've changed jobs. I've moved into a brand new apartment. It's uh, it's pretty friggin' dope. Um, uh, stressful but the good kind. Uh, nothing, nothing eased my burden more than uh, going to go see a movie about a uh, mentally deranged psychopath. Yeah, so uh, not to bury the lead or anything, but uh, we are reviewing <laughs> Joker. Um. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see your insights into the movie. Um, I went. You hear that? That's called. That was. I led into it. That's called a taster. That's called a, a seg, or a segue, as most people would actually say. Uh, yeah, we <clears throat> went and saw the movie. Um, Jordan and I went and saw it last uh, last week, uh, and you saw it last night. Uh, so it's pretty fresh in your mind. I've been able to sit on it for a bit, some dwelling, and and kind of reflect and decompress i guess um but before we get into it i want to kind of get your your thoughts on some of the past jokers um but and we'll get into our trailers and whatnot and i'll throw a spoiler free summary down if i guess people want it um but one of the questions that i asked some people before i record or uh, went and saw the movie was like what what is your favorite joker um knowing that this might throw a wrench into things uh, i was kind of curious what they would say uh, and a lot of people said uh, Jack Nicholson. Um, you had uh, who's the original um, via the Batman uh, TV show? Caesar Romero. Yeah, Romero. Uh, dude, a couple people. Dude, throw... he was in the he was in the original Ocean's Eleven. Was he with Sinatra? Yeah, he was the bad guy. I think. I mean, it's fitting. That's awesome. So, well, who yeah. who before this movie? was your favorite joker and does that change after having seen this film man i i yeah i mean i will say like i never the only performance by the joker i got to see in a cinema was heath ledger and yes it was on the very opening night of the dark night and you know for me the first batman begins was you know batman begins was good it was good but just the trailer 
And also, like in that part in the very end of Batman Begins, when they're when uh, Batman's talking to Commissioner Gordon, he's like, "Who do we got now?" Oh, psychopath <laughs> walks around with a with a playing card. You know, and I just sat in my seat and I was just like, "You gotta be shitting me!" <laughs> oh my god. Um, and I mean, you know, it's weird. I'll, I'll, I'll I, I mean, I think Heath Ledger's Joker for me was the, um was the performance that capped it all off. But like, I've been a fan of Batman villains since I was like four or five years old, because I just don't know how it happened to me, but I was, uh, you know, just sitting in, it had to have been like first grade kindergarten, something like that. Just sitting and watching, uh, Batman, the animated series with Mark Hamill, Mm. you know, who, I mean, now has gone on to be like eight jokers. Like if you, if we, I guess if we want to argue, Mark Hamill is the Joker. I, he the was in them, that. The rest in of that them, list that I gave to people, and up there, and like I really think he needs to be in that conversation because of. Of what, course, I mean, dude. He he was in our childhood, and honestly, um, all of the other Jokers except for Cesar Romero, who was episodic, the rest were you know told in one story. Yeah. But Hamill has embraced a number of the different characters, but uh, at the same time, I got stuck in front of the TV one day. And um, I randomly turned on FX, and the 1960s Batman with Adam West was on, and I was like, Batman doesn't wear a blue suit. That's <laughs> bullshit. And Robin's, like, wearing nothing. <laughs> um, but, oh, man. Like, you know, the, you know uh, they always had these, like, over-exotic deaths planned for the superhero, for Batman and Robin. Like, and Joker always had, you know... Uh, I don't know, really cool. The The episodes around the Joker were always really well-written. Well um, but I actually, I, I have, I'm, I'm a giddy fat kid in a candy store when it comes to those 60s Batman episodes. Yeah. I can still tell you, I can still tell you who played what character and whatnot. But then I will say when I got to like, I think it was uh, sixth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, I finally saw my parents were hellbent for leather on making sure that I, the oldest, didn't get to see any PG thirteen until I was around thirteen, <sighs> and I and and to this day I still can actually make a pretty good like Jack Nicholson with that, without the makeup on face. Yeah, where you like, <laughs> where you like, where you like lengthen the lengthen that out, but also like there and there and of itself we have to like give Jack Nicholson some big ups because like there's some points where you like look at the villain. And go, Michael Keaton, you are boring. Yeah. You are so boring right now because every every time that Jack Nicholson's on and, and I'll and I'll also say like good villains in movies should not be on screen for a lot of time. They shouldn't there, need to. There are exceptions. Yeah. There are some exceptions. But if you really need to worry about a villain, there's a huge like there's a tinge in the air, a dreadful sense of premonition. You know, like, oh man, I got a bad feeling about this, and that feeling's going to keep going till about like forty percent into the movie. Yeah, and you know, then all of a sudden, because you know, he starts off as Jack Napier in the in the nineteen ninety mm-hmm. or eighty nine. I forget. It's... Either way, in that in that Batman, you know, he starts off as you know, we there is a little bit of an origin story, and I think that's where you even like after he after he reaches out and grabs the mirror from the plastic surgeon, you're just like shit well and i think that oh, like too man. i remember that first scene with ledger um we saw him 
but not really. Like we had him there, but it wasn't until the scene where he walks into like was it the kitchen with the meeting with all the gangsters, um, and he has his laugh yeah. and he does the want to see a, tr- a magic trick. Like that scene, that scene like set him up for the rest of the film. Even though we had seen him before, it was like it was a little while before we actually got him. But once we did, the you know the floodgates open. Oh yeah, I mean, it's semi. I don't know. I, I, I you can argue like that that interrogation scene, which was you know the one that they featured on the Oscars, mm-hmm. but then also that you know what. You know, <laughs> Because we knew that he died, the actor Heath Ledger. We knew that Heath Ledger died mm-hmm. when um, it even le- even left. And I saw, you know, this came out. I think our freshman year of college, The Dark Knight, or the summer after. Yeah, it was it was around that time. Yeah, and I just remember, like, especially it was my first year as a theater major, and we're we're talking about character and how simple. And you know, and as I, I will argue that Heath Ledger was the simplest Joker. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger, and he was simpler than Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, very much so. But but Heath Ledger was the most hum, human version of the Joker. Yeah. I think, well, he, he, well, no, no, no. We'll say that he was the most, he had the most human reaction to inhuman situations. Yeah, I think that when you look at his, as opposed to, I mean... So obviously Hamels is an animated, so he gets to be cartoony. Um, Nicholson is is a step away from camp, but still kind of campy. Um, definitely at not. The sa- at the as- same time, though, like you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Oh, iconic. Like, and and also the fact that it's like freaking Jacko mm-hmm. playing this role, like that's half the reason why I think I I don't know, like I've always. I don't know. I think we'll talk about this later, but like villain being a villain in life in real in in real life and um and in fiction is so alluring. And Jack Nicholson does, you know, and of course we as decent humans go, "Oh, well I actually wouldn't do that." But Jack Nicholson makes it really cool. Yeah. Like he, you know, like he is so freaking smooth. <clears throat> so who is your favorite? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ledger Man. Exactly. Like I I I walked out of that I walked out of that theater just ripped apart. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it was I, he had more feature than Nicholson and I think is it safe to say that it's hard to compare them because of how drastically different all the characters have been? I was really glad to say, here's what I'll ultimately say. I grew up with a steady stream of understanding of who the Joker was, but never would I ever like imagine him to walk down the street and actually wind up creating like a newsworthy crime mm-hmm. in real life until you watch the the car chase. Oh yeah. The the truck chase with Heath Ledger. Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> For me, I just I remember uh, when they first cast Ledger as the Joker. I think that the entire social outcry was like, "Oh, he's this pretty boy. He can't do this." Um, yeah, but everybody shut up after they saw the film. I don't think there was a single person that said, "Oh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't deserve that role. He he 
completely changed it. He made us Do all see Google. something else. Here's the other thing I'll tell you. Do a Google image search of Joker Halloween costume and you tell me who wins. Yeah. It's because you and I close. both dressed up as the Joker for Halloween that year. You remember that? Yeah, I did some face paint later except, that. Yeah, except I was growing my hair out. Yours looked a little bit I more was, natural. Cause, cause I was in a classical show. I was in a play. I was in Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah, yeah. I played a, I played a cheerful baker, and the turnaround was, I I actually had some uh, latex, so I, w- I was able to freaking put some real scars on my on my uh, lips so that was that was dope i scared the crap out of some people <laughs> so can we agree that leto's probably one of the worst portrayals to date did i mention him yeah exactly um you know who you know who is the shit is uh, i i am looking forward to birds of prey i i don't care what people say i think it looks interesting i think margot roby is one of the best is is an amazing actor of our time, highly underrated, and is going to kick... I think, you know, the more we can just use her individual character, Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. I think the better off we'll be. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So... Did they, did they... I think I heard that they're not even letting Leto back into that saga series, whatever. Yeah, I think he's done. From what I've heard, he's, he's a one-and-done... Um, was never meant to be as much a part of Suicide Squad as the marketing portrayed. Um, and I think everybody's just kind of like, yep, we're going to move past that. I mean, because it seems like they, in, from the trailer, it seems like they've written him out completely. Like, they've broken up let's and gone about, their other ways. Let's, I mean, but, you know, with him, let's talk about, like, superhero movies that do art for art's sake. Which absolutely pissed me off. Mm-hmm. Or where it's like, okay, you know, and, and the thing that really upsets me, because Jared Leto is a very gifted actor, I think he really wanted to be Heath Ledger too much. I think I so. Think I don't think it was time for us to have another Joker. Um, and although they did really portray a different type of Joker with that, it was um, still just, it, it just didn't fit. I'm going to throw some flames in the, I'm going to throw, throw it in the flames right now. We could do a Joker every day, but it depends on who wants to do it and who's willing to actually like think about it. Well, and I think that's why this film, for me, at least the, the one we're going to talk about, is, is so strong is because you had the right director, you had the right actor, and you had the right mindset that you weren't trying to make money off of it. You were trying to create a good film. And yeah. because of that, they're not trying to impress anybody. They're not trying to do anything other than create a good movie and with that being the case i think they did so i think they i yeah i mean why don't we why don't we jump in so let's let's yeah real real quick you mentioned birds of prey where did you see any other trailers that jumped out to you because there was one particular that i hadn't seen uh, a trailer for that i cannot wait to see and that's 1917 did you happen to see that one I, you know, it was weird. I went to this theater that only, that limit, that strictly limited the previews. Really? Yeah. Um, it's this theater called Arclight and they actually have multiple, but, um, they can also send us some cash if they'd like. (laughs) Um, but they're, they're in Chicago and I think they're actually in a couple other cities, but like, 
that I went, I went in, Birds of Prey ended. I forget the other, this is how, I mean, maybe it was just a straight up bad uh, trailer, but I forget the other trailer that I saw. Yeah, I had. And it jumped straight in. I also love the vintage start. Yes. To the movie. Oh, the start of this movie, just like. Because I'm also going to give some ups. You know, you know who else was really good? The animated Joker in the 1960s animated Batman movies. Oh yeah, I forgot about those. There's there was there was one where he had a funhouse. Uh huh. And I'm wa- and I watched I just for the hell of it. I think like a few years ago I watched it on YouTube in retrospect. And man, he was a sadistic motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think that. I mean, like. That's what's really fun about this one is that you don't really. It doesn't seem like he's a super villain. It just seems like he's just a twisted. He's he's just someone who snaps. Just any regular guy. He's an everyman. Mm-hmm. What was the trailer you saw that you? Liked? So 1917 is a World War One movie. Um, you have two men who two like boys basically who are told that they have to get to the uh, the front lines to deliver a message. Um, that a an entire battalion is about to walk into a trap, and one of his one of the guys it's his brother, so it's like there's this added emotional connection that he has to um, he has to get to his brother. But it's got a good cast. It's got like um, I think uh, Colin Farrell's in it, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, I believe. that sounds. It looked really good. Oh, that sounds fucking lovely. That's going to be a great movie there, Aaron. Yeah, I, I think it, it looked really good. Um, and I like World War One movies. I mean, World War Two movies are great, too. But um, we're getting midway to come out here in a little bit. So I'm excited for 1917. So um, Yeah. But yeah, there were a couple other ones that were there. But um, I don't know. The only other one that I saw that I'd be curious to see what you would want. I mean, if you haven't seen it. But it's called The Good Liar. And it's got Helen Mirren and um, uh, Ian McKellen in it. And looked interesting. Looked uh, like Ian McKellen plays a hitman, um, and he's. I saw the poster. For yeah, that. it looks interesting. I mean, you got a. I mean, obviously, you got a good cast, so you don't have to really worry about anything else after that. But. You know, my fiance and I have. You know, my fiance and I have an agreement that uh, Helen Mirren could be a free pass. For oh me. yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it's between her, Mary Berry, and Meryl Streep. <laughs> you like the older women, don't you? I mean, those are the only reasonable free passes, like, you know. All right. Let's get into it. So, (laughs) I want to get to it, because I want to talk. So, in Gotham City, so here's a spoiler-free summary. Not that people really need one, but I'm going to throw one out. It's only about a sentence long. In Gotham City, mentally troubled comedian Arthur Fleck embarks on a downward spiral of social revolution and bloody crime. This path brings him face-to-face with his infamous alter ego, the Joker. I think it kind of uh, is what the summary that they want you to see, uh, but I think that might not necessarily be how I would summarize it. Uh, but if you haven't seen the movie, go see it, definitely. Um, it's dark, so be prepared for that. Um, but let's get into it. So what were your thoughts? I mean, let's we're, we're free from spoilers. You can say whatever. If people are listening, that's their business. All right, so spoilers are coming. Um, I, you know, here here's... You know, you read the articles about saying, like, it wasn't time to release this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't a good time. I really, you know, I'll tell you, 
I'm not going to dive too far into it, but like in college, there was an article about um, Tom Sawyer, uh, Tom Sawyer or Huck Finn, mm -hmm. Huck Finn. It was Huck Finn, and they were talking about taking the racial slurs out of Huck Finn. Um, and from a straight white male, this is obviously going to come off as a little abrasive, but I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people cited in that, and including a number of, you know, African-American critics, why would you take that word out? Kids aren't going to actually learn the weight of the word. Exactly. Why? Are, yeah. why I mean, so for me, you know, people can say what they want, but th now is the time to make it really aware that uh, you tell stories so that people listen. Yeah. You don't tell story. You don't tell stories that people don't want to listen to. Because you can. Because I can tell you about the grocery shopping that I did. And that's a conversation. That's not a story. Yeah. And I think now more than ever, with the shooting in Kansas City this past weekend, like we need to tell stories of uh, the mentally unstable, and we need to make it. You know how did you know these people who say, "Oh, how did he get to be this way?" And, you know, it comes from a point of mental illness, but it's a societal illness as well. Like, we champion the internal destruction of these people. Well, I think that's we, one of those know, big we, issues, is a lot of people were concerned that you would leave the theater feeling sympathy for a bad person because of the way it was portrayed. And it's like, I don't know if I necessarily felt sympathy for it, but I understood um the downfall and i saw like you said you know like this the social um miscues that resulted in this guy ultimately doing what he did yeah like and also not even downfall the we you know we raised him from a poor little thing starting with the abuse of his mother mm -hmm. all the way through uh Who's the fat clown? Was his um, name Randall? I think it was Randall. That sounds right. But anyways, the bit you know, the bigger clown mm -hmm. who is friends with the little person clown, but the guy who you know, here you have a guy who you sit in the locker room with, and you're already like looking at him going, like you know, oh man, that sucked that these kids smacked you around and broke the sign and you know totally screwed up your day. Listen, you need to you need to protect yourself. So here's a gun. Yeah. I mean, obviously Todd Phillips definitely and who wrote the script to this movie? Um, Phillips and uh, Scott Silver. Yeah. Well, I mean, the writer definitely wanted to to say like, "Hi, you, John John Q uh, employee employee." Here you see this person who you are at work with all the time. And you know what? Let's broaden this. In school, in work, you're a family member. And your idea of bettering this person's life is to tell them to protect themselves with a gun. So, you know, let's, you know, we'll, we'll let that paint the picture in someone's head. You know yeah. what I mean? Like... And, and, of course, you have all these people who won't listen 
and and it's even better. It's even better because they shoot it in an era where security camera, you know, they don't once discuss or show security cameras. Well, it's are, yeah, it takes place in the '80s, and be, I mean, it, if you're not familiar, Gotham City is a combination of New York and Chicago, and New York in the '80s was horrible. I mean, it was Chicago in the '80s was horrible. It it shows the the crime. I mean, they utilize that as a major talking point throughout the movie about you know new mayor and you know all of this element that hey we need to change things. I really think that um, the time period was perfect for this. Um, like you said, yeah, it sets up a whole nother set. I mean, if you could set this entire film in today's world, it changes everything. Absolutely changes everything. Well, for sure. But I think, I think uh, the as, because they stripped away the technology. It, it's even better because it's like, no, this is humans, be, you know, begetting, begetting human behavior. This had nothing with the fact that, you know, because if, because I'll tell you, after being someone who lived in New York for five years, like, if someone does anything on the subway, if someone does anything on the subway. Um. Um, as someone who like has been on the subway, if someone tries anything, you know, just watch the security tape. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, they're under surveillance everywhere they go. Well, let's get into a couple of the elements. So like you said, you mentioned earlier that we begin the movie with some cool, um, old movie kind of, uh, references and homage um, kind of to those 80s, 70s and 80s films. Um, but it's to me, it really started out really strong because we take a little bit of, of Arthur um, and it takes a while before we really start to see him in an uncomfortable situation. Um, he's talking to his, uh, his therapist. He, we see him in the locker room. There's a couple times where he's... We definitely we get it built up where his character, where he might he's coming from. Um, you immediately see this idea of um, the mental mental illness, um, especially when you see the card. Because um, I I was not aware in any way, shape, or form until I saw that card that he had a condition. Um, maybe some hints toward it, but it was it could have just been to me as I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, this is just this guy. Um, but the fact that, you know, cause I was thinking the fact that he laughed at everything Randall said, I thought it was, oh, he's trying to be cool. Cause Randall's the cool guy in the locker room. Um, you know, he's the boss guy, you know, he's, he's this, this man that everyone looks up to. So when he, when we finally see though, that it's a mental illness, I was, was surprised cause I'm like, oh, cause it changes your whole framing of the film. Um, what were your thoughts on how they dealt with um, Arthur and his mental illness? Um, I think that it is reflective of the time period. I mean, I my mom taught deaf ed; she taught special ed um, in high school, and there were was a lot of her students back in the eighties and even in the nineties. They they had to have a card. You know, the kids who were even deaf and, mm. you know, it sucks. It sucks for us as a society that I have to mention this, but I mean, a lot for 
a long time, a lot of people nearly viewed uh, the hearing impairment or the visual impairment as, a, as a, you know, on the same level as mental illness, yeah. which is unbelievable. Um, but, I mean, we, we're fine. You know, God bless our society. We're finally heading into the world word where, you know, that word that begins with an R is finally unsavory. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think... Um, it hit, hit, hit really, you know, and, and as someone who, and as people who live in the world that we live in today, look at him so helpless on that train. Oh, yeah. Um, and we look at him, even when, you know, and he's reaching for his card with those Wall Street guys. Yeah. Like, he's reaching for it, and he go and he said, you hear him say, I have a card, and they don't even listen. Yeah. No, it's it's so painful it's, it's, to watch. A lot of those moments, you see it, and you, you whether it's I don't know if it's empathy or sympathy or what, but you, you realize that he's not, he's not necessarily a bad guy in those in many of those situations. It's it's frustration mm-hmm. because, okay, great, the city's administration has cut mental health billing. Um, this is what it gets you for the record. Like if, you know, whoever's pockets aren't lined as fat as, uh, as you want them to be, whatever happened and no matter what happens here, you are with a, um, a situation where, uh, guess you cut the funding. So this guy doesn't have access to medication and there's no stabilization. People, you know, self-medication is important. Um, you know, self-help is important. And this does a very good um, illustration mm-hmm. of the ignorance and the belief of like, oh, suck it up. You'll, you know, you need to have more faith in yourself. Well, yeah, you have a, well, the problem that we have with Arthur Fleck is, he doesn't even know himself. He doesn't even know that his mother adopted him. He has no idea. For the love of where God. He, his, in his view, he believes one story, like you were talking about stories earlier. He has a story that he's been told, but in reality, it's not the right story. So he has an entire life built around this story that he finds out isn't true. So then what happens? You know, like, how are you supposed there to recover three, from that? There are three levels of that story, too, because the first story is sitting and watching the news with his mother. And his mom says, Thomas Wayne will take care of us. We're family. You know, you heard, you you hear him on the news talk about those three boys who were murdered on the subway. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, Thomas Wayne says they are family. And uh, his mother then, you know, looks back at him um, and just is like, you see, honey, you see, we're family. Because I worked for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, Oh my God, we're not family. And then all of a sudden, he, um, by the way, um, Douglas Hodge, who plays Alfred, mm-hmm. I waited on, I waited on him. Really? Yeah, I got free tickets to Cyrano de Bergerac on, uh, yeah. He, he's kind of needy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> he was really upset that my restaurant didn't have Stella. Um, he was dating a wig maker, but I will also say he, he was incredibly generous. And I mentioned, you know, my love for theater and he gave me free tickets to a show. That's cool. So I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that, uh, neediness and I'll turn it into, uh, just an artist being an artist. And, um, 
I hope he's listening. Of course. I know he is. He's definitely listening. You can hear me. Hear me. See me. All right. But, like, there's, th- you know, and then there's that next story where he just looks at that envelope almost like he's like, I'm not going to open it. I'm not going to open it. And then he does. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he, sa- he says, your son, you know, her mother, his mother's uh, letter to Thomas Wayne talking about like, oh, your son, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden he's like, oh, my gosh, I'm his kid. He shows up at the, you know, he he takes the, um, so the train he takes uh, for people who aren't altogether familiar with New York, you have the subway, which takes you locally throughout the five boroughs. And then you have the Long Island Railway or the New Jersey Transit. And from what it looks like he's taking, he's taking um, he's taking an Amtrak. It looked like uh, it, yeah. Out, yeah. So, it, so it's kind of an, an outer area into the suburbs. And the suburbs, you know, there, there, there are a few working class suburbs. But, I mean, there are some definitely like um, hoity-toity spots, especially like where a lot of rich commuters live and get in, uh, they usually would get into the city on Grand Central Station and then uh, they'd have a three martini lunch, do business, and go home. Seriously, that's how mm-hmm. it worked. But, um, and especially in the 80s. But, you know, he's, and especially, oh, and, and I even like picked up on like who he was surrounded by because it was, if you look, go back to the footage, it's pretty much straight suits. Yeah, like it's you He's know very much, much financial guys on that on that on that train. He fe- the the shot makes him feel out of place. It's a great it's a great sequence, especially even going up and even the like, man, you know you want a sequel to happen so bad, especially when you see freaking Arthur just grab Bruce's cheeks and shove him up into a smile. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's messed up. Yeah. That's messed up stuff. Um, and. Then all of a sudden, you have him meet Thomas Wayne in a bathroom. Can I also say that there that this is now another great thriller sequence that happens in a bathroom? Because the first thing I thought of was The Shining. Yeah. Because there's a great scene where uh, Jack Nicholson... Man, this is a full circle conversation <laughs> with Jack Nicholson. Um, but no, he, he runs into one of the attendants and they have this long conversation, but... Here he is, and uh, they really make Thomas Wayne out to be a real asshole in this movie. Oh, I mean, which I, pretty I, much every single... It seemed like you were going to get a little bit of um, like a hero complex where he's in there to save the city, and he's going to become mayor and like take care of these things. But every opportunity he had to look good, he went the other direction. He was blunt. He was um, you know, overly critical... Um, he was, he was your hoity-toity, you know, businessman type. So we both grew up in the Quad Cities, which, you know, we have, and I think we even grew up in a community that was filled with, uh, this kind of demographic where you have someone who has a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of influence, and they, they say a lot of positive things. Um, I think there's a difference between someone who has influence who says promising things and positive things. Yeah. It's real easy to say that's a good idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you'll 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 be like, "Hey, uh Mr. so and so, our arts program is suffering. Um we we really want to try and put together a benefit, but we need capital. Can you help us out?" And then all of a sudden, Mr. so and so or Ms. so and so, we will we won't lump this in. 
We won't lump this. We're going to lump this into the rich and affluent and uh, desensitized, yes. to be honest, uh, regardless of gender. But we're going to, you know, say that the first response with a lot of people who don't want to be bothered and want to cling to their money and save save their money, which I love hearing these people say, um, is that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then all of a sudden you hear this, you know, you you get a couple of whiskeys in them. You get a, you know, you get them down that bottle of wine. And all of a sudden, here they are talking about, like, I hate it when people ask for handouts. And it's like, well, here's the deal. You're, you know, and this is totally applicable to New York City. It's totally applicable to Dayton, Ohio. It's totally applicable to Podunk, USA. But uh, when someone who has a lot of money says, you know, these people need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and try and make a better effort, which disgusts me every time, every single time. And... It, it it's really kind of it, good job to this movie. Yeah, I mean it portrayed it are. really well. Well, well, but also like here we are. You know, I I um, I love that this movie keeps you on your toes. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not allowed to think that Thomas Wayne was good, or was he good? Was he was he good? Was he not good? I mean, I I would much prefer a movie like this is totally a morality play. Are we good people? Do we, you know, this is, just, you know, I love that it was kind of a reminder to everybody being like, um, and, and I'll also give big ups to, you know, this play is very much in the same vein as, um, if anyone's ever seen the musical that's written by Stephen Sondheim called Assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's entire, it's an entire musical about, um, the premise that anyone can grow up and kill the president. Well, and it's funny that you like, mentioned that because one of the things that um, I was reading to kind of like prep for this um, is that uh, Joaquin Phoenix actually studied um, ass- assassins and uh, would-be assassins and like their mindset and how they act and what they do um, in order to create Arthur Fleck. Uh, that was a major uh, influence in his character building and... And you, it shows because how he portrays the character is, it's a slow burn. It's not a here's everything all at once. It is definitely a. It, he's pushed to his tipping point, and then ultimately is is pushed over that line. And and these are also things that like maybe in like a very shallow story of how someone became a villain, like oh these kids picked on me when I was in school. Yeah, bull crap. No, mm-hmm. that's not how that's not how villains are made. It's it's not one incident of school. It's, you know, 18 years of school. Yeah. It's 16 years of school. It's, you know, getting out of high, you know, it's barely getting out of high school and then entering the workforce right away when everyone's like, "Oh, well, the world needs ditch diggers too." Like I mean, I think and, and you know, I've already said it, but this just goes back to society shapes its murderers. It really mm-hmm. does. It, it's it's one of those things where like this movie, if anything, hopefully indicates to people that you need to listen, <laughs> not just listen, but like observe. But no, but like seriously, like don't you know you can't be a yes person. Well, and there's that line you can't you- that he says to his psychiatrist. You don't listen, do you? He's telling he he's basically begging. 
for someone to hear him and doesn't even matter what they what they hear you know it's he's okay with anything being heard he just wants someone to hear him oh i mean you know i'm i'm in the hospitality industry and in the um food and beverage industry i mean we'll we'll for a minute maybe maybe right now we can curtail a murderer to an alcoholic Mm -hmm. Um, which are both mental illnesses. They are mental illnesses. Um, you know, even if you're murdering in the name of suicide, if you have actual like hallucinations, but like it's a mental condition and it needs to be treated. But here you are like, you know, you'll enable people and you'll also just say, oh, you're fine. And you didn't listen. You didn't actually like take a step back and actually look at what's in front of you. Um, you know, the, and they did a great job. That psychologist had her face right in her book. Like, you know, I'm taking down the notes that I need to do. I did my job. So now I should be able to go home. This, this mentality, this mentality that, had to have been begotten unto us from like the the 40s 50s you know oh well you get to do your job and then you get to go home and that's it you don't have to worry about anything else mhm and then you're the and then you're the hero and then and then uh you get to eat dinner with your whole family around the table and watch howdy doody and then maybe some carson like and and you know I think that I think that Robert. Speaking of Carson, I mean, like that's totally who Robert De Niro was. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, portrayed. He, I mean, well, and he's that 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 positive um, influencer to everyone. He's somebody who kind of connects everyone because he's in everybody's houses. You know, he comes through the TV and he is that voice of reason uh, for everyone. And then when that voice of reason is shot on live TV, then. That's when that's when everybody. I mean, you see that it's starting to get to. There's the protests that are building at the end of the film, but that's when all hell breaks loose. Is literally the city starts to burn when the voice of reason is gone. Yeah, and also like that voice of reason, whatever you know, whatever you want to paint that as, he puts this guy on. You know, he didn't. He he obviously isn't like that. And, and I will also say like this is. Uh, I think maybe even these like the mockery of uh, Flex set as a comedian is totally like you know we love watching these fail blogs mm-hmm. of people and you're a teacher and I was a teacher for three years like you know I watch my students like their obsession is let's go on YouTube and watch people screw up at something they do mm-hmm. and you see that in that that skit or the, his uh, his set. Yeah, and you know what the funny thing is, like, you know, now, then you have everyone who's watching it being like, oh, don't be a snowflake. Um, don't, you know, don't, you you know, y- you know you screwed up. You should take it. Just sit there and take it. And, it's, and it's, here we are. It's painful in the film to see how excited he is when he sees that he's being featured on the, the show, when Arthur is, and then when he realizes that they're making fun of him. Um, Pe- people are doing horrendous things to themselves for the in the name of recognition today. Yeah, 
Like people, people are uh, willing to defame their character. They're willing to dumb themselves down from the people they really are just for some, just for, you know, someone to notice them, not even for positive feedback. There's no positive feedback. Some people want to be a YouTuber just so that they can be online and people will watch them and talk about them so that they can make money. Yeah. Well, but that's a lot of a lot of the most prominent assassins in history just want to be noticed. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a question. So we we kind of referenced uh, towards the end um, the ambiguity of the final scene. Um, so to kind of uh, reference it for everyone, um, <clears throat> at the end of the scene, at the end of the the movie, um, you have. Um, Arthur Fleck, who is um, speaking to his psychiatrist, and he starts to laugh, uh, and she asks, you know, you know, what's what's so funny, and he just says, you wouldn't get it. Um, this happens immediately after kind of the the climax of the movie. Um, Arthur is dancing and and being cheered on by all of these. Uh, followers and all these rioters who are all wearing clown masks, and he has become an icon, a symbol for them. The question, though, is the ambiguity is um, what was in the timeline? What was it that what that he was laughing at? Um, did the movie actually happen, or was it all in his mind at the very end of the film? And we were just seeing his reaction to what he was thinking about, which was the entire hour and a half, two hours of the movie. What do you think? Oh, man. And, I mean, you know, there are allusions to it was all a hallucination mm-hmm. several times. Yeah, with the, um, next, the, next door, the next door neighbor. Yeah, Zazie Beetz character. Yeah, the next door neighbor, man. The, the faking the uh, gun to the forehead thing. Mm-hmm. For the record, we suspended a kid last year for that. Really? Yeah, I mean, you have to teach. Well, no, it's in school suspension. But but, like, but you can't take you can't you, take you, it as a joke. It's not a joke anymore. Any any reference not, to that? It's it should it should have never been a joke. Uh, it should have never been a joke, and because we wouldn't be here today with that. Yeah, and he he but, makes that reference multiple times. He does it um, as he's kind of playing out. Uh, I think the first time we see it is is in the elevator. Um, but then he sees my, my life would make more sense when I was dead. Yeah, I hope my I hope my death makes more sense than my life did. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, um, but but like, yeah, I mean, and then all of a sudden you see him like run, you know, all of a sudden you see him walk out with blood on his, you know, the bloody footprints, mm-hmm. and the orderly chasing him. Yeah, it's, like it's interesting, and I think that like they when, they they purposefully in a lot of interviews that people have talked about this ending, and they made it ambiguous. There is no ending. Um, there's no f- specific answer to that question. Um, uh, there was an interview. When did he start? Yeah, when did he start becoming the Joker, and when was he already the Joker? Yeah, and that's the thing is maybe he always was, um, and he's just playing in his mind you know, how it happened, um, or, you know, so maybe that all happened, and then after the fact, he was laughing at it, and he kills the psychiatrist, or maybe the whole thing was just in his mind, and he'd always been the Joker, you know, he's trying to, he's creating himself an origin story worthy of his, his own character, um, 
I don't know. It's it's so trippy. It is such a bizarre ending. Um, the movie itself could have ended with him dancing on top of the cop car, and I would have been satisfied. But but that for them to throw that final scene in, just it it is one this hell of a wrench. One hell of a wrench. Because because on the other hand, okay, cool. It was all a dream. Or does he get caught, and then does he get back out there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's it it could be either. It could be all fake or it could be that you know this is a is a kind of an epilogue to his story, you know, soon after these riots, he gets caught cuz we know from many other Joker stories, the Joker gets caught all the time. Um but he always gets then back he, out. And he gets out. Yeah. So it could be a little bit of that. I don't know. It's there's tons of ambiguity. Um, throughout the film but that one just hits hard because it makes you just think well oh, okay is it the whole thing fake or is it does it have some weight to it i and also what and also he he preys on the character the joker itself and i think a lot of bob kane's characters in batman stories do a good job of like okay you got him did you fix him yeah it's easy to imprison members of society. It's not easy to fix them. <clears throat> That's true. Because, because you know, even even I take back the phrase "fix." Because I'll say help them in the right way. Because we have, you know, we have very few designated places for people need to be detained and people who need actual like you know people who man it just it, it really mess this whole movie messes with your head because you're like man you kill those people because you're mentally ill mm-hmm. and then you could also look at it as like you are evil you killed people yeah, and it's and then you could also you could also look at it from a really 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 you know and I'm I'm you know this isn't the most favorable standpoint but you're like that's right that's right bro you take it to those overprivileged sons of bitches you you know this society needs cleansing and there's only one way well and I think but, we get very close to that approach with the three guys on the train I mean because he's physically being assaulted and he's being beaten and they're they're just they're attacking him and he fights back but then he goes out of his way to hunt down the third man and so then it goes beyond you know i it's it's no longer self defense at that point it's vindication yeah and that's and that's the birth of the joker right there that's like the you know okay all right fine you want it here you go buddy yeah and i i was empathetic this is, this toward him you... killing the first two and even shooting at the third, like he was defending himself. Um, they were they were beating him up, and and I'm not saying that that's the best way to do it. But if they're attacking him and he fights back, then you know that makes sense. But man, when he they were harassing a woman on the subway car too. Yeah, I mean, so he he was they definitely you know. within some rights, and then, but but to see him um, react the way he did and to see him walk down and after the guy was shot to walk up to him and put two more into his back, that is where, and I think that's a little bit of that, uh, the visual worry of people, you know, having those images and those scenes portrayed the way they are because people worry about, well, what's that going to say? 
you know, if we're if we're okay with this or we portray this, um, how is that going to influence people? But like you said at the beginning of this whole thing, those need to be shown so that way we can see the truth of the situation. And that was their hope all along is they just wanted to portray some reality, even in the violence. See it the whole way through. And also, though, like, see it the whole way through. Mm-hmm. See, this, see these horrors, these uh, tragedies, these societal tragedies, these murders. See them from the beginning all the way to the end. Because you know what we, I mean, thank God we don't have to actually watch this on the news, but on a certain level, these stories of mass murderers and people who need mental help, who who are violent and push their violence on others, how insane is it? that you know we we aren't in there to see the drama that actually unfolds before the the pistol clicks mm-hmm. and, and 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 unfortunately now it's not even a pistol when the assault rifle goes off yeah but like all this and and I think this is where like these movies these stories of um psychopathic killers um, build up to that big moment when it all goes down when it hits the news when you murder a a talk show host on set on camera yeah that was and that scene is is so i'd say to me that one seems to rank a little bit higher in and hard to watch um even more than the randall scene because the Randall scene is pure, like, barbaric violence. Um, this one's meticulously planned. You know, the uh, the Murray yeah. one. That's That one builds up to a very heavy um, climax. And it's just, that one's harder to watch. That's because, like, the first, the first time a killer actually, like, gets the idea, it's not fully realized. Like, when you, when you, I don't know. Like for for a killer, when when there there's this moment when you look at all the historical situations and also look back in the news, it's you know the first the first like situation of violence is it, it isn't their first one that they do in public. Mm-hmm. It might be self it might be self mutilation. It might be the mental or physical abuse of someone who is close to you, um, and because they are close to you they will take it. Not yeah. say that obviously Randall took it. Randall literally well and it, well and it all it also seemed like Randall was in was in was within trust. Like it was, you know, it was like, all right, I'm here. Feel like stabbing me with some scissors? Yeah. You know, like, oh God. And and, and the fact that he lets the little person go. Oh, and, and how about some Todd Phillips humor there when he, he has the lock and after all that, he's like, can you can you get the door for me? Like that was, there were a couple moments where I'm like, yeah, Todd Phillips is taking on a completely different genre, but we can't forget what kind of, where he came from, you know, and he's still a comedic director. And so there were a couple funny what moments in there. What tigers dream of? Exactly. Like a little tiger snoo. 
Well, speaking of Todd Phillips references, um, I want to look at what did you catch as many of the references that I did to like old films, old Jokers, other movies? Because it was to me, it was just like packed with Heath Ledger references, Killing Joke references. Um, I'm trying to think if I really, I don't know if I got any Nicholson ones, um, but my fa- my couple of them. So I, so the ones that I remember that I really liked is when Arthur breaks into um, Sophie's apartment and he's just sitting there. Um, he's leaning over and he's saying, I had a bad day. To, I don't know if you, how familiar you are with Killing Joke, but that's the whole concept is that um, the Joker was created because he had a really bad day. Like, it just, he spiraled. He went from having a pretty decent life to having the worst day someone could possibly have. And then he became the Joker. I thought that was really cool. Um, and then yeah. the other one that I thought was really interesting is that um, towards the end of the movie, as uh, Arthur's running through, he has, he puts the, the mask on, the like the plastic uh, clown mask on, and he takes it off and he sets it in a garbage can, which is exactly what Heath Ledger's character does with the rubber mask at the beginning of The Dark Knight. When he takes off his old, um, his rubber mask he's wearing at the beginning of the scene, he puts it in the trash can and hops into the, the van. Um, so it's like bus. really, or the bus. Yeah. That, I mean, like that was a really cool, like deep cut reference that was, you know, it was just cinematography. They didn't actually make a reference. They just visually showed it, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. I also think that, that, that the subway scene, um, you know, there was the, uh, the really rough truth shown that we all that oh man you all got a little bit of joker in you yeah this 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 like oh yeah there are tons of guys and you know and and gals who dress up like keith ledger's joker for halloween why yeah you know and and and, and, and you know you and i aaron we both have a little i mean i i'm fully i'm fully i'm a huge believer that like people have is you know Everybody has access to their dark side. That's that's easy. Like that, it's e- it's easier than you think it is. And um, I think uh, if anything, like giving giving people the chance to acknowledge their demons in this movie, uh, I think I think people if they haven't seen it, and if you've also listened this far in, then holy cow, sorry. Um, but like. If you if you look back at like everything that you, this guy goes through, in you know, you you see what he goes through in front of people, and away from people, mm-hmm. and he kicks the shit out of himself when he's not in front of people. Yeah, I mean, and when he's in front of people, he quite literally in front of people too. Where it's like he in, when he starts laughing and he can't control himself, he's like, he's almost like he wants to choke himself to stop himself from laughing. It's like the the pain mm-hmm. of that uncontrollable laughter. He it's physically hurting him, and he just wants to do anything to stop it. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's heavy. Yeah. Um. And the one the one thing that my one one of my criticisms of the movie is if you have a person on live TV who said I killed the Wall Street guys. 
I mean, I, I, I kind of had a little trouble thinking, like, what? They didn't really send in security right then and there? Yeah, like, he, uh, he definitely cut played. to commercial. He played into a little bit. And I was like, eh, that's kind of like, weird. Yeah, I agree. That was that was one element that seemed a little I mean, odd to me. I mean, you know, sure. You you have to get the story moving. You have to get the story moving. But, like, you would have been, I don't know, if, if I was Todd Phillips, <laughs> you know, pass the beer nuts. Uh, if, but, no, I mean, like, it would have been interesting if maybe one camera was left on. Yeah. You know, but they, they you know, cut out off, the one yeah, off stage. Yeah, I see what you stage mean. Stage right, and all of a sudden, you, you know, this guy just keep you know that his mic's still live or something. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, he. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they're filming that like people who are on '80s television, though. Like, in 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 a crazy way to think about it, more than thirty years ago, the way that you handle live television. You don't see, you know, all these clips of Letterman, Carson, even Leno of live, like, crazy, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened on uh, live TV. They kept it rolling, man. Like, uh, when, did you ever see the thing where, uh, and, man, this, uh, I'll preface this with, this is so, this is super soft compared to uh, an actual on-screen murder. But like when Burt Reynolds and Mark Summers got into a big fight oh, on yeah. camera during Letterman, yeah, like they wouldn't let that roll right now on no, Fallon immediately cut or to Colbert. Break. They'd just be like, "We're cutting to break." The you know maybe maybe it's uh, maybe Todd Phillips is also like going like, "Oh well, people didn't mind you know being exposed to it. We were tougher back then." And okay, cool. You were tougher back then. You let it ride, and the host got you know the host got shot because you didn't think you needed to secure a crazy person on your set. Yeah, like people weren't looking at him. You know, they were looking at him as an attraction. Yeah, exactly. They let it run for a little bit, and I love the the whole run with Mark Maron's character. And he's like, You're, "This is dumb." You do have somebody saying like, "We we should not be doing this." Look at what's happening out in the in the streets right now, and we're playing up to this. You know, it's it's a very small microcosm of the film where people were like, mm, "Probably shouldn't have this come out because look what's happening in the world right now," um, but yet they still do. You know, and they still they still allow him on and you see like this this you know condemnation of um you know of his actions after the fact and it's like oh well could have cut it off before you know but um all right so we're we're a little closer on time so i got one more question for you um i think i believe it's safe to say that i think that this is going to get some oscar nominations um where and if it'll win is kind of up to the rest of what comes out where you currently stand in, um, you know, any films or just in general, maybe you don't have anything to compare it to for this season. Uh, but do you think that it gets any Oscar nominations or wins? And if so, where? It's going to be tough. I think it's going to be, uh, I'm going to play into the hands of Vice. Um, I'll say one of the other moments where Todd Phillips shot the bed is he played Gary Glitter. <laughs> I mean, dude, 
you're giving, you know. Yeah. I, I'll, number one, I'll say this. The Academy Awards also require societal approval. Yeah. Which I, I do believe that that everything, you know, the art that you create is, is you know, this is a movie based on a psychopath. Number one. So, <laughs> you know, how does this contribute to society? Yeah, I mean, it still contributes to society, but like at the same time, Todd, you done allowed a pedophile to get a chunk of your soundtrack time. It's true. And you're going to pay him. And you are going to pay him royalties, which I'll also say this. Maybe, you know, I'll play devil's advocate for a second. It's not my position, but I mean, you know, cool. All right. Let it run wild. Let the pedophiles run wild. Let the, you know, let let the people with mental illness, you know, go unnoticed. Let us be a society that still doesn't recognize how many people um, – uh, let us be a society that encourages other people to, you know, do whatever that, you know, whatever they feel like. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah. Um, but I will say, like, Joaquin Phoenix had nothing to do with Gary Glitter. Exactly. So. No, I th- uh, I think he Joaquin gets a Phoenix nod. Will get a, I think jo- Joaquin Phoenix will get a nod. This was a very castaway, man. He had a lot of screen time. Yeah. In two hours, that boy did not really leave. There was not a single scene where he wasn't involved. I don't even think. I don't even remember. I don't even remember if there is another scene where like other people were just talking about him. Which you know, if you think about that, it's all in his head. This goes back to your uh, your mention of like, was it all? Was it all just like a messed up hallucination, or was it? Or was it real? Yeah. Or. Or, or was it real? Because no, there were there. Were, I don't recall any single scene where it's like two people with him off screen going, "There's something wrong with this guy." Yeah, no, it was. If you search your feelings, you know it to be true. I I think he gets a nod, and it's a comic book movie, but it's not really a comic book movie. Like it's not your traditional no. comic book movie, no. so I think it gets a little bit more attention than you know your Black Panther, which got a bit of, of attention. I think it screws Endgame out of a lot of stuff outside of anything like visual. They're gonna get you know their visual and editing and things like that. End, Endgame wasn't Oscar worthy. It's no, it made a lot I of money. To say it. It's movie for the fans. Yeah. This was Oscar worthy. Movie for the fans. I mean, it was satisfying. Mm-hmm. I think. All the actors in Endgame did a great job, but they did a job of telling a story that isn't a story, you know, it's not a story that people desperately need to hear. I mean, we could pull truths from the story of Endgame, but like, we're relating to a culture where every young kid, boys and girls, are aware of Batman. Yeah. And they're aware of the Joker. And some people know the Joker as this hilarious, oh, Harley. Oh, oh, it's just terrible that the Batman, you know, fucked my life. (laughs) Um, But at the same time, we're now also amidst a generation of kids where it is completely feasible to have. Heath Ledger's Joker, you know, yeah. um, 
That was that was my impression reel. I hope I make it big. <laughs> um, but but you know like the Joker had the Joker itself as a character, and maybe to help kind of wrap things up, the Joker starts as a goofy idea. I think the way that we're introduced to the Joker as five and six year olds is a goofy idea. Like, oh man, this guy, you know, this motherfucker, you know, here he is. Well, and he's he's comical, at, even at in it, a dark at, way. He's at comical. it again. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna kill people? How are you gonna do it? You're gonna you're gonna shoot Slimex gas, Smilex gas through uh, parade balloons, Jack Nicholson. Or like okay, acidic, but then whipped cream, whipped cream pies, like yeah, just like and you're gonna put you know you're gonna pump laughing gas into a museum yeah. in the 1960s, yeah. but like then you're gonna blow up an entire ferry full of people, or you're gonna blow up a ferry full of cons, mm-hmm. or and and as we bring ourselves to this new movie, this new like really shitty gross realization for all of us to wonder how many of those people who you know and this is where like everyone can say told you so how i wonder how many people you know i wonder if that guy who walked into the cinema in aurora had the ideas that he had from stories Mm mm-hmm but who told him that my 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 defense is who told him the stories? Yeah. Who you know? How did he learn these stories? Because this is a character that we're gonna make twenty more movies off of. Oh yeah. In our li- in our lifetime, yeah, it's when not we done. are gumming pudding, <laughs> when we're gumming pudding and listening to Steely Dan. <laughs> but like. Seriously. No, I know. They're, um, they're not by any stretch I, done. Of, I mean, look at even the Robert Pattinson movie. They're saying that there's probably going to be a Joker character in that. It's not going to be this one, but the character's going to be brought up again. So, Willem fucking Defoe. I don't know. I don't know. They need Willem Defoe. That'd be pretty good. Um, I think they were thinking I, younger, though. I, and, hey, not to ramble on, I also love that they didn't have the Joker kill Bruce Wayne's parents. Yes, because that would have been too much of... That's a kind of a cliched plot point like yeah. it just yeah but but the joker but the joker did kill bruce wayne's parents the idea like that's where heroes are born they 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 take ideals against ideas yeah um but yeah oh man this movie i walked into the grocery there so i being in chicago like I was in a I was in one of those like super market plex buildings. This place is on the fourth floor, two stories down is a grocery store, and I'm going to pick some stuff up for dinner. And I'm just walking down these aisles, just feeling like, oh man, oh gosh, oh shit, don't 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 talk to me. What's up? <laughs> oh, you you wanted to ask me if where if I had everything I needed. Okay. <sighs> It, it really, it really, no, but, like, this movie made you real, like, stripped you It down. did. Like, this movie really did, like, leave you feeling, like, this, you know, obviously not me. I didn't feel this, I promise, ladies and gentlemen. But, like, it, it leaves you, like, singing in that theater, you know, especially with the soundtrack, which, by the way, big ups on the soundtrack. soundtrack was know, pretty strong. Gary Glitter. 
other than the composed soundtrack was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and some other parts. Fuck the the Gary Glitter part. Don't give money to pedophiles. Blah blah yeah. blah. Um, but it left you think again. Anybody can become whoever they want to be. Yeah, exactly. And you can, and if and if someone doesn't know who they want to be, or if they feel incapable, or without the control of being who they want to be, be it a mental disability, you can shape them that way too. If you feel like being an asshole. Yeah, I it's, I know. You know it's dangerous. Well, let's go ahead and give our our final thoughts here because we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. So, um, what should our our one of one to five um i don't know clown noses or um let's go clown, clown noses, noses sound good more say right. there's there's no other savory comment we could make for ratings yeah i'm gonna say there's there's a lot of things you could say but it gets a little uh scissor five scissor stamps yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so your oh, your rating and your your reasoning why um i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give it uh i'm gonna give it four and a half clown noses um i guess i can't be objective about it because i've always like loved the batman villains but I will say, like, I think it might, it could have been maybe just a little tighter. And I'll also say for, like, some of the situations, if, I don't know, though. Like, you know, it, it, it's almost better that you leave the theater going, was that an hallucination or did that happen? Yeah. Because then it need then it reminds you like oh man this guy's head was really messed up yeah he was truly messed up but I mean you know I think maybe a little bit of tightening uh, a little more restraint and it could have been five and I'll stick with that yeah I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna go a little higher than that but not quite a five I'm gonna do four point seven five it was it's one of those movies that you and people were talking about it on Facebook before and after and I see a lot of comments of um, I didn't enjoy the film, but I appreciated it. And I think a lot of people say that they didn't enjoy it because they don't want to say they enjoyed seeing what they saw. And I <clears throat> I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that as far as film goes, it was beautiful. The cinematography and the costuming and the 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 lighting and just everything overall. We did, It was very drab until... The dancing. The dancing. The dancing. His, like, in, if, you know... Okay, let's compare a situation, right? You have a kid who's not liked at school. And he plays this out for himself. It's one point where he's like, hey, I'm Arthur. Hey, oh, you're a really good dancer. Oh, thanks. Like, yeah. that, that, that's, you know, I have my surprise face on where it's like, man, there are, you know, there are kids who yearn to be accepted who have these conversations with themselves and it's not even a matter of being a kid anymore. Cause Oh look, this is a 30 plus year yeah. old adult. Yeah. And I, th- I think a 40 plus year old adult, you put it all into to play. And I honestly, I think Phoenix's portrayal 
it's it is again it's very different from ledger's it's very different from nicholson's um it is it's my favorite portrayal of of the joker to this to to date for me because of how real it is um it's so real that it almost isn't even the joker it because it is it's not in comic book it's not a, a superhero movie it's a a man's uh, descent into madness and that is what's really cool about this movie for me I, I loved seeing a very truthful and realistic portrayal of this descent into madness as well as the violence that can result from it and I think that although it was uncomfortable at times to see it it was real and it was raw and genuine um, without saying hey look at what we're doing it just did it and so that's why I really liked it. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't It was for like, oh, look, we're going to do this really interesting take on the Joker. It was a social commentary. There was a lot of social Oh, absolutely. Commentary. Tons of it. Tons of it throughout. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for figuring out the whole tech aspect of it. Hopefully this... Uh, well, charmed, I'm, charmed, I'm sure. Yeah. This was great. Um, I will see you in uh, about a month... Engagement party. Oh, yeah. Right? It's going to be at my mom's house. Yeah. Oh, some stories could be told about that house. Dude, it's going to be at my mom's <laughs> house. I didn't even realize that. I'm inviting all my groomsmen to a party at my parents' house. My Short story. My parents were, were very much like chill with the idea that they they wouldn't mind having us over when we were all younger to make our mistakes at their house. They were not the family during high school who accepted, you know, kids in high school to drink at home. But they all. But once we graduated high school, it was always the hangout. You know, it, I mean, that was just the place we went. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about to have a party at my parents' house. Full circle. I'm now actually kind of nervous because <laughs> Munson's out of town, which sucks. But yeah. It's all oh, that. that's gonna be. Yeah. But anyways it'll be good time. uh we're now talking too much about ourselves anyways all right man. Uh, um you're a great friend aaron and i love you having me on here thanks again i'm not sure what we're doing next week so um well and who knows if i'll be able to do one next week i've got a show this weekend and that takes priority and i have a strike on sunday so hopefully we'll have an episode next week if not we'll be back in a couple weeks and the movies are getting good so um yeah until then, uh, who, 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 who are you gonna have for uh, Rise of Skywalker? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have the pops on there. Oh, yeah. very nice. I've seen good. the only good, movie good. I uh, I have not seen with him in theaters uh, was Solo. Every other movie, every and that, so it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, every fine. other Star Wars it's movie fine. I've seen in theaters with him. So we're gonna wrap that one up, and uh, I'll be home for Christmas this year. Well, actually, we'll be in Atlanta. And maybe I can even get my grandpa Bob on the uh, the podcast, give his two cents. So it'll be a good time. Thanks for coming to the drive-in, everyone. And um, <laughs> I'm taking this from you. You're taking I'm it. Taking it. All right. No, you give can him, take give it. Him the, you, give him the sign it. off. Say drive home safe. Yeah, well, drive home safe, and uh, may the force be with you.